Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Come on, everybody ready to be transformed by God's power in the house today. 1130, you sound ready, and I just, not that there isn't every week, but I just absolutely sense in my, my spirit like a freedom in the house today, and I, I really believe for freedom from addictions. I'm absolutely believing for that, and um, how many of you know that addiction in 2019 sometimes looks different than the mental picture that we have in our past, and that people who are addicted, I'm telling you, people who are, there's, a, there's addiction in the house today, there's addiction in churches all over the place, and um, but, but if you have come here struggling with that, know that God's power, his mercy, and his grace is here to set you free. And we're just believing that God wants to, to minister to you in an amazing way. Welcome to all of our locations and those that are joining us, our online family as well. If you'll take out your Bible and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, our theme for, verse for this series, Transformed. And then we're going to flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Romans chapter 12, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. A couple weeks ago, um, I told you about a new technology that has been out for several years, but they just have successfully tested this now in Nevada, Richard Branson's company, and um, it's Hyperloop, Hyperloop technology. So there's a couple of things that uh, enable the speed of these Hyperloop trains to really double the speed that what we currently have is, you know, around uh, 200, 300 miles an hour, and these Hyperloop trains can go upwards of 600 miles an hour, and it's the elevation, so it's getting it up off the ground, and then that chamber is a vacuum chamber, right? So it's sealed, so you don't have any air resistance coming against it, and then it's a series of magnets, and I, I ran into somebody at uh, uh, Wednesday night services, and they were saying, hey, I went home, and I started Googling about this hyper Hyperlink technology, and they started studying it, and just saying how really it is fascinating. There's some stuff on YouTube about how it works with the magnets, and if, you, if you're nerdy like me and get into that, you can, you can check it out. But um, what, I, what I love is that throughout our history, human history, that there are innovators and inventors and business people and strategic thinker, thinkers and, and theologians and, and reformers, and they're disruptors, right? And what disruptors do is they take us from just thinking next steps to thinking next level. So there are some that are thinking, man, how can I take the train from 300 miles an hour to 320 miles an hour? That's great, but there's a disruption that is thinking, no, how can we double that? Like, how can we get absolutely next level? And I believe that's what God wants you to do through this series. He doesn't want you to just sprinkle a few more good thoughts in your already uh, whatever it is mind. He wants to radically transform your mind. That's what that word means. Transform is metamorpho. It's where we get metamorphosis. So it's a, it's a molecular reconfiguration of your brain. It's transfigured. Another way we, it's translated is transfigured. Transfigured when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he got in God's presence, he transformed his mind. Henry Ford said this. Henry Ford said, if I would have asked the people what they wanted, they would have told me, make a faster horse. But how many of you are glad sometimes 
that God doesn't ask you what you want. Because maybe the reason your prayer request isn't being answered is you're not asking for something big enough. Maybe he is wanting to disrupt your faith and take you not just to the next step, but to the next level. How many of you would believe for some hyperloop thinking in the house today and that we're going hyperloop in this thing? So do not be conformed. Let's, actually, let's put that, that verse up on the screen, and let's all read this out loud together. This is a great, great way to, I mean, memorizing the Word of God. Any verse is fantastic to memorize. This is a great one to commit to memory, especially during this series. So let's read it together. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So two parts there. There's not not conforming to the world. And so if you take that and marry it with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, which we'll go to in a moment, we're going to ta be talking about demolishing strongholds. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, demolishing strongholds, and be transformed through the renewing of your mind. We're going to marry that with the second part of that passage. And so we're talking about not only demolishing strongholds, but my 2019 interpretation of what the Apostle Paul was saying in about 60 or 70 A.D is that you're going hyperloop. So turn to the person on your left and tell them, I'm going to demolish some strongholds. Turn to the person on your right and say, tell them I'm going hyperloop, baby. Tell them I'm going hyperloop. I'm faster than you think I am. I got more in me than you think I do. Demolishing strongholds. Let's talk about this first. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does and the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Can I tell you, just because you live in it doesn't mean you have to fight like it. Just because the atmosphere at your office tomorrow is filled with gossip doesn't mean you got to gossip back. Just because the atmosphere in which you live and work is negative doesn't mean that you got to retaliate with negativity. Whoever wins the war, a lot of times, they got better weapons. And can I remind you that your weapons are forged in the fire of heaven and your father is giving you some good weapons. Aren't you thankful that our weapons are not weapons of this world? But God wants us to fight a we fight a different battle and we fight it in a different way. By the way, the weapons of this world, we don't wage war as the world does. We live in the world. Does that sound familiar? Do not conform to the patterns of this, this world, right? And so it says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We are not into stronghold management. That is not what God wants you to do. And by the way, when I talk about strongholds, I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about you because we all got them. We've all got some patterns that we have either knowingly or unknowingly stepped into. And we all this morning, we all today have some strongholds. But the good news is, is that you have divine power to demolish them, not manage the outcome so that other people don't know exactly what you're dealing with, but to demolish them, to eradicate them. Imagine living completely free from that thing that is holding you back and it's divine power now 
I, I try not, because this message, we have other locations and, and different things like that, so I try not to be location specific. So if you're, if you're watching online, you're watching another location, you'll pardon me, but I gotta, I gotta talk to our Concord crowd just for a moment because I'm so excited about a potential, not a potential, an application of where we're headed this, with this. So when the Bible talks about divine power, um, part of what that is talking about is accessing the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, hear me and hear my heart. Um, there's a lot, I'm not saying we're the only one. There's a lot of wonderful churches pastored by good friends of mine in this area that talk and preach and demonstrate the power of my, the Holy Spirit. But I'm just saying that I would never want to go to a church that ignores the third person of the Trinity. I would never go to a church that didn't tell me about the love of my father. I would never go to a church that didn't talk about the power and the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And I wouldn't want to be in a church that didn't teach me about the power of the Holy Spirit and not just teach about it, but give me an opportunity to experience it. And so the Bible says that we can receive the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, and that will give you a greater power to be witnesses, but also a power to do everything that the Bible, basically, I told the Southeastern kids this week, so if you're like, man, is this a Pentecostal church? It is. Um, and you're like, what's that mean? Um, and and before, before you sneak out the back door, let me, I think you'll be real comfortable with this. Here's what, what being a Pentecostal church means. It just means that we believe that if it happened in the Bible, it can happen today. Like, isn't that okay? Like, if, if God healed somebody in the Bible, God can heal somebody today. If he gave somebody the Holy Spirit in the Bible, he can do it today. Like, that's just what we believe, that these stories, the Bible's not a history book. It's something that we get to step into and participate in. I don't want to go to a movie and just watch 007 on the movie screen and never be like 007. Like, as a guy, I want to be 007 when I walk out of there. I don't want to walk into a church and hear a nice story about, oh, that's great. The Apostle Paul got to do that. But I don't get to do that today. No, you get to step into the story. You are a participant in the story. And that's what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit moves you from spectator to action figure. You're a superstar. You are an action figure in the story of God. Ladies, tell your husband that. He'll appreciate that. Tell him he's an action star. You didn't sound very convincing at all when you said that. But... <laughs> like, Pastor, what's that have to do with Concord? That, ha that actually had to do with everybody. Um, this part has to do with Concord. During the month of August, Pastor Steve and our team, which are amazing teachers and preachers, they are walking us through a summer revival series in Deeper in Suite 15, 645 on Wednesday nights, and they are going to teach. So some of you are like, man, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was like four years old at my first camp and others of you are like, I'm sorry, holy speaking in what? And so, so all just come on Wednesday nights and we will teach you just biblically who is the Holy Spirit? How do you access his power? What does all of this mean? And then we are going to begin. So Davidson, you guys already do this, but we're going to begin in Concord. We're going to keep every Wednesday night. Um, but we, we just are believing for an adrenaline shot as we kind of gear up with back to school and get back into routines, right? Um, can I encourage you to make Wednesday nights a priority for your families? What Pastor Kevin said 
earlier. Uh, was just talking about the power of other voices in your child's life. And Pastor Justin, Pastor Wesley, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Joey, all of our at our other locations, make that a priority for your kids. But on Wednesday, September, whatever that first Wednesday is in September, September 4th or whatever, um, we're going to begin something called First Wednesdays. We're going to, all the groups, the adult groups are going to come together in this auditorium and we are going to do worship and we're going to do altars and we're going to lay hands on and we're going to believe for an impartation. That first week will be about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to lead that service. And, and so first, first Wednesdays, make every Wednesday a priority, but then those first Wednesdays of the month, we're going to try this as an experiment and we're going to believe, we're going to believe God for some amazing things. Amen. Amen. So we have. Yeah. We have divine power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to demolish strongholds. So let's talk a little bit about strongholds. If we all got them, then I would like to know where it came from, what do I do with it, and how can I get rid of it, right? So let's talk about this biblically, what a stronghold is. Biblically, the word stronghold is used about 50 times in Scripture, and as you might guess, it has a military connotation. So stronghold is usually talking about this fortress that the enemy will plant, this strong fortress that feels like it's impenetrable and that you can't get into it. An example of this would be King David when he uh, stepped into being king. Um, I don't know if you know this, but David was first chosen as the king of Judah. So it was the southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, the southern two tribes. And then uh, the rest of the tribes, the other northern tribes, about, ten, about seven years later, confirmed his, him as, a, as, as the king after that. Because we all know that southerners are way ahead of northerners. And the... I just made like half my crowd is Ohio and Connecticut and Pennsylvania. Listen, listen, your pastor's from Pennsylvania. It's okay. I'm just teasing. But Southerners, no, for real. How many of you would say that, yeah, thanks for catching up all of the Northerners in the house. But, and, and so this happened, and they, David stepped into this, and they confirmed him as king. And so David was getting ready to step into Jerusalem. But Jerusalem, even though it was David's territory, it was occupied by the enemy. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold in your life is something that is your territory, but the enemy is currently occupying it. And the Jebusites were currently occupying that territory, and they began to taunt David and say things like, even the blind and the lame could get in here. So how do you know if something is a stronghold in your life? You'll know it because the voice of the enemy begins to taunt you and say things like this. You'll never or you'll always, you'll never be free. You'll always need a pill to go to sleep. You'll always struggle with an eating disorder. You're all, you'll always be behind the other people in your class. You'll always be a little bit slow. Do you see, how, do you see what this is? And so it's, you'll, you'll always be poor. You'll never be free. This is, this is how the enemy has, and, and you know that that is a stronghold of the enemy. But what, the, what, what David did, because the walls were thick. David, David did this. David found a tunnel. See, the Holy Spirit will always show you a way in on the inside to dismantle the stronghold that is trying to intimidate you from the outside. And so stronghold is a military connotation. 
But now I got to tell you this. I never realized this. I feel like God showed me this this week, and, and I want to teach it to you. Although stronghold has a military connotation, because what does a military connotation um, conjure up images of in your, in your mind? Well, that's an external thing that the enemy is doing in my life. The word stronghold, there's a military connotation, but the actual word stronghold is logismos. It's where we get our English word logic, and it means this. It means your thoughts or your thinking. In other words, the stronghold in your life is not something that is external, brought on by the enemy. It's something in your mind that you put there. You built your stronghold. The greatest challenge and the greatest struggle in your life, you put it there. And I'm sorry for the way you've been treated and I'm sorry for your circumstances, but your circumstances, no matter how horrific, did not put the stronghold in your mind. Biblically, Paul says your stronghold is your thinking. The war before we win the war outside, we must win the war inside. You say, Pastor, that doesn't sound like real good news because I don't like being blamed for my problems and neither do I, but I got to teach you the truth. And here's the good news on the other side of it. If you put it there, then you can get rid of it. If you put it there, you can dismantle it. And so you're not a victim any longer, and you're not going to blame your circumstances any longer, and you're not going to blame your surroundings any longer. You're going to own your problem. You're going to own your stronghold, and you're going to say, if I built that thing on my property, I'm not letting something stand. I'm not letting a structure stand on my property. Y'all are welcome to come over and visit my house, but if you try to to build something on my property without my permission or especially my wife's permission, I can tell you that ain't going to fly. Only I can build what's on my property. Your brain is your property. Your brain belongs to the Lord. And if you build it, then you can dismantle it and get rid of it in the name of Jesus. And you can live free, but you won't live free as long as you think that something else is the cause of your problem. You got to own it because until you own it, you can't fix it. But it's the power. It's the power of ownership. You're not going to rent your problems anymore. Don't be a renter of your problems. What's a renter do? When, a, when the problem comes, a renter calls somebody else because it's somebody else's problem. No, you got to step into ownership of your mind. Nobody else is telling you how to think. Nobody else is telling you what choices to make. I'm preaching this hard because this is for somebody today. you got to begin to own the thing in your life, but the ownership of it is the first step into getting free from it because here's here here's a secret the enemy doesn't want you to know when you get victory over the stronghold it will begin to unlock other areas of blessing and favor and anointing in your life that you have never accessed before and it will overflow into other areas of your life so thomas jefferson who um, I try not to be real political because uh, 
we just preach the Bible and we preach Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus fills, and Jesus calls. So we're going to preach the gospel. But I feel like I can be political in the 1800s because that's safe, right? Um, so Thomas, y'all, Thomas Jefferson, my opinion, I'll just step here, it's still my opinion. Thomas Jefferson, not a good man. Like, uh, not, not good spiritually and not good morally. Now, maybe he got things together at the end of his life, but did not make a lot of good decisions. But a good decision that he did make, in spite of all the other stuff, was the Louisiana Purchase. Louisiana Purchase. So Thomas Jefferson made this. You remember this, the Louisiana Purchase, and then he commissioned uh, Lewis, and then Lewis reached out to Clark, and, and they, the, the whole exploration. What the Louisiana Purchase did was it opened up an entire new frontier, an entire new frontier. But that's not why Jefferson wanted all of that land. He really actually didn't care about it. You know what he cared about? You remember this from history class? You're like, come on, Pastor, I didn't know this was going to be on the test. I'm just trying to get my kid through their summer reading project and trying to get it ready before school. Where did summer reading projects come from? I don't know. We didn't have those when I was a kid. But anyway, I continue <laughs> along with this. But, but Thomas Jefferson, he didn't want, he wanted, he wanted one thing. He wanted, you remember? New Orleans. Because New Orleans, New Orleans was not a military stronghold. New Orleans was an economic stronghold. And he said, Jefferson said, that three-eighths of the U.S. trade and economy passed through New Orleans. And he knew that if he got that stronghold, it would open up avenues like we've never seen. And it opened up a new frontier. This is a word for somebody today, even when the iPad falls that the word is that when you take the stronghold, it will open up a new frontier in your life. It'll open up a new frontier in your ministry. It will open up a new frontier for your children and your grandchildren. Grandfather, it is not too late to step in and to take hold of that stronghold and eradicate it. And you watch the spiritual fallout in a good way. You watch, how your, you watch how your grandkids will start living with a new freedom, and they don't even know what hit them because granddad got free, because their uncle got free of some things, and you're going to break some strongholds that have, that have haunted your family for decades. So, so what does this look like? What does this, how, do you, how do you eradicate through divine power? How do you eradicate these strongholds? Well, let's back up. Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the power that we have to make choices to flip, to flip the switch, right? So you make a choice that affects your thoughts, that unlocks DNA, that becomes behavioral patterns, and then those patterns become strongholds. So the first decision that we make when the train is coming, when the temptation is coming, um, uh, take, take that pill, engage in that eating disorder, and, and don't, you're, you're feeling lonely, don't join a tribe. We say, I have the power to make this decision, and I am going to, through my divine power, I am going to flip the switch. I'm going to make this thought. I'm going to make this choice. Now, here's what I know about the enemy is that sometimes, a lot of times, that when you flip the switch, how many of you know when you, you make the decision to flip the switch on Sunday morning, the enemy isn't like, well, I guess they made that decision. I'll never bother them with that temptation again. Sometimes when you say, you know what? I'm done with that enemy. You know what comes at you harder than ever on Monday or on Sunday afternoon 
or in the parking lot, or in the lobby. Like, like this, these things, the enemy doesn't give up that, but you made the decision to flip the switch. Now, I'm going to teach you sometimes spiritual warfare as you're going in, and you're laying hands on people, and you're praying it down. You're praying the fire of God down, but there's another part of spiritual warfare that I want to teach you. When the train starts coming again, when the temptation is coming, when the thought is coming, you say, you just say this, I'm sorry, enemy. I'm sorry, but I've already made the decision, and that road, that road is closed. That's what spiritual warfare looks like, and the enemy's like, oh, no, no, I get it. I totally get it, and I'm with you for the most part, but there's that one little left-hand part of the lane, so if you'll just, if you'll just let me, just give me access to the berm on that side, and you say, no, I'm sorry, that road is closed, and he says, yeah, no, but like, do you remember when the endorphins are released? Do you remember how good you felt when you gave in to that? No, I'm sorry, that road is closed. Yeah, I get it. Like for the rest of your life, you don't have to do it. But let's just do this one more time. No, I'm sorry that road is closed. And do you see what happens in your mind? Science backs up the Bible because when you continually say, I'm going to make the choice not to go down that road, it dissolves and the stronghold in your life begins to disintegrate and eradicate. And the good path, the good path widens. And it's hard at first, and it's difficult at first, but we get into a, a, a rhythm with this. And so not only, not only do we demolish strongholds, but then we got to go hyperloop. So, so the Bible continues. We have the divine power to demolish strongholds and take, uh, tear down all the pretensions and everything like this. And then that same passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says that we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So the first part of that is demolishing strongholds. That's getting rid of the negative. I believe that when Paul says that we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, that's the positive. So let me teach you this. You can't get rid of something negative in your life just by not not thinking about it. L let me explain it to you like this. So you are all now magic wand waved. You're all 15. Um, feel, feel the lack of wrinkles. The hairline just came back. Like, doesn't that feel good? You're all, you're all 15 again. And you're all in. If, you, if uh, some of you grew up in church, some of you didn't. That's okay. But those of you that grew, grew up in church... Um, you're in youth group now, or you're in Sunday school, and your youth pastor was doing the True Love Wait series. And that series, in case you didn't grow up in church, what that series looked like was something like this. They talked to you about uh, God's design for sex and sexuality, and that it is a wonderful, amazing, beautiful gift from God. But every gift that God gives us, he gives us to enjoy within the proper context and relationships. And so that relationship of sexual expression is to be enjoyed within the confines of marriage, one woman woman, one man for life, and because when you were 15, you probably were not married, probably were not married, then you were told um, you no, no sex, and by the way, since you can't have it, don't even think about it. And so as a good 15-year-old Christian, you're sitting there thinking, okay, don't think about don't think about it. I, got, I know I got a date this Friday night, but don't think about, like, don't think about sex. Don't think about sex. Don't think about sex. And you know that when you try not to think about something, 
you begin to think about it, and I could use it about your 45-year-old self or your 75-year-old self, but I just thought it would be a little more interesting just to tell, talk about your 15-year-old self. Like, and you try to not think about it, and you end up thinking about the very thing that you don't want to think about. But here's the secret. Here's the secret. The sin or the stronghold in your life is actually a good desire with a wrong expression. So the key is not only to not think about the bad thing, you jump over and you begin to think about the good thing. So in the area of sexuality, okay, don't think about it. 15-year-old, here's what that looks like. God, I begin to pray for my future spouse. I pray that he would be a young man of righteousness. I pray that she would be a young woman of purity. God, I pray that you would keep her or him pure for me. In the area of an eating disorder, it's not God help me not to engage with this food and the responsive behavior. It's God, I want to go on a missions trip and I want my body to be strong and I want to lead other people in the area of substance abuse. It's not, I just don't want to think about that drug. God, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit that gives me peace and joy and freedom and so I don't even need that thing. For every temptation that the enemy is trying to put on this side, God has something better for you on the other side. That is what the Bible's talking about when it says take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus because Jesus isn't God's no. Jesus is God's yes. And so for every no of the enemy, God has a yes that is bigger and better for you than every no that the enemy could possibly have for you. A couple of uh, weeks ago, I, I entered into a uh, challenging repair situation. I know you're shocked that any handyman repair situation for your pastor is challenging, but, but shocker it was. So we were, we were blessed to be able to put in a, a pool this past winter and, and uh, enjoying that. And the kiddos are, and the friends are enjoying it so much. But um, a couple of weeks ago, my filtration system stopped. Like the, fl the flow stopped from the skimmer and from the vacuum. And, and if the filtration system stopped, like I'm, I'm looking at the water, I'm like, ugh, that isn't looking so good. Like why isn't this, why isn't this water moving anymore? Like the bugs are getting in there and the leaves and, and I'm like, man, this, I gotta, so I started, started kinda, it's not like, it's not super complicated, right? Like water goes in and goes through the filter and comes out. So is there, is there something blocking there? And so I was looking, did, was there some obstruction and that sort of thing and I couldn't find anything. And, and then about 24 hours later on Thursday evenings, the, the summer, Pastor Kevin, the Southeastern team run a, an MA program during the summer for some of the Southeastern students, uh, a ministry associate uh, 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 thing during the summer, like a summer internship. And so we'll, we'll have them, Kevin and I will have them over to the house and, and walk through some discipleship with them and play cornhole and swim and all that kind of stuff with the, the kids were coming over and I'm looking at this pool and um, like that isn't looking so good. And basically I was concerned with the external appearance of my pool. So at that point I left the problem and I just entered into 
external pool management. So I'm like grabbing the hand skimmer and I'm trying to skim this thing and just, you know, keep the, keep the appearance up so our home will look nice. You know how we do in our lives sometimes when we got something going on on the inside and we got a sin issue, but I don't want anybody else to know about it and it's affecting my life and it's expected, affecting my circumstances, but I don't want you to know about it. I don't want you to know what I'm struggling with in my mind. So as long as I put on a smile on Sunday and look okay on Wednesday, as long as, as long as the external is looking good, then I don't have to deal with the heart issue. And, and so I realized though, after a couple of like hours, like that ain't gonna work. I gotta deal with this thing. So um, I called, I called the expert. I called our pool guy. I love, I love this pool guy that we found. Like, you know, it's a good business when they will answer your call and respond to your text even after you paid the money. Right, so like I call this guy, he's like, he, and he told me to. He's like, if you have any problems, you call me. He's like, I'll, say, I'll save you money. I'll talk you through it. I like, save me money. I like where you're going with that. So uh, he's, talk, he's talking me through it. He's giving me, all, he's giving me every, everything that he knows to do. Did you check this? Yes. Did you check the yes? And you know, took apart the filter and cleaned that all out and everything like that. And, and uh, still wasn't working. I'm starting to get a little stressed out because this water is not looking really good at all. And I want to get in the water, but the water isn't. And I get on the phone with him again. And, and I was like, hey, hey, I tell you, I tell you what. I said, um, why don't you, I said, why don't you come on over? Like at this point, I'm, you know, pay him whatever. Uh, like, why don't you, why don't you come on over? You know what he told me? He said, no. Like, <laughs> Excuse me, why, why won't you come over? And he said this, he said, he said, you're the owner of that pool. He said, you've got to learn, you've got to learn how to do this yourself. Can I tell you this, that God will give you other people in your life as a gift, but the point to which you rely on them as a crutch to fix your problem for you, and then when they tell you no and you get all offended at them, God is using them because you're not going to rely on them anymore. You got to learn to fix this yourself. And so he walks me through some other stuff. Still didn't work. Standing there, frustrated, staring at the thing. And uh, Camden comes out and she, and she says, she says, you know, the, the last time that it worked and when it stopped working was when you messed with that. I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> that's a true statement. See, the circle there in that picture, that's the pump. And there's a couple of hand tightening uh, screws on there. And so you loosen those things and you take it off and there's a little basket in there and it'll get filled with some debris and leaves and you got to empty it. And then when you put it back on, you've got to hand tighten those, those screws. But those screws had gotten stripped or something. And I knew that and it was really difficult to tighten, but I tightened it as, as much as I could. And I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like, 
baby, look at these guns. You, th you think I didn't get that tightened down enough? And she said, she said, I'm just saying that that was the last time that it worked was when you, you, you took this. And, and I think she went back inside and I'm looking at this because see what happened is there is a seal, there's a vacuum seal. And if that thing doesn't get absolutely 100% sealed, that it will lose its, if it loses its seal, it loses its vacuum. When it loses its vacuum, it loses its prime. When it loses its prime, it loses its flow. And so this time I'm ratcheting this thing. I'm ratcheting. You ever feel like you lost the flow in your life? Like I'm stuck. The power of God's not flowing through me. What's going on? And so I tightened those things down. And I think Camden went in and I pressed the button. And this time I just, I stood on it. Like I stood on it with all my weight. I was pressing down to make sure that thing was completely sealed. And I'm looking down through that clear plastic. And at first, see, water hadn't flowed through there in a couple of days. And it was getting all nasty. But I saw just at first this little trickle of water begin to flow through there. And I got excited. And then more water started to flow through and more water. Because when you fix the seal, you fix the prime. And when you fix the prime, you fix the vacuum and when you fix the vacuum you fix the flow and can I tell you in our lives the external problem is not the problem a lot of times it's this pump it's our heart God do I got any sin do I have anything that you need to take care of do I have everything I say how do you fix the seal of my heart it's called it's called the gift of repentance it's called the gift of repentance. And every time you come to your heavenly father through the power and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit and say, God, I repent. I turn from that. Do you know what he does? He fixes the seal of your heart so that the power and the life of Jesus and power of the Holy Spirit can begin to flow through you once again with every head bowed and every eye closed across all of our locations. Maybe today you would say, Pastor, I've got, I gotta fix the flow. I gotta fix the flow. I got some stuff in my head. I got some wrong choices. I got some strongholds. I got a sin issue. And when I say maybe some of us, I guess what I'm really saying is all of us, if we're honest, all of us, if we're honest, we got some stuff in our heads. We got some stuff in our hearts that maybe shouldn't be there. And can we just say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to fix the flow? I can't, I can't fix this for you. I can't fix this for you. Your pastor can't fix this for you. Come on. You got to own this. Your spouse can't fix this for you. Your tribe leader can't fix this for you. You got to own this. You got to own the hurt. You got to own the offense. You got to own the addiction. But God can fix it. God can fix it. Will you just begin to come to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me for being offended. Forgive me for not forgiving. Forgive me for my addiction. Forgive me for my confusion. Forgive me for my wrong expression of sexuality. Forgive me for my doubt. Forgive me for my negativity. Forgive me for leaning on pills to do what only the power of the Holy Spirit can do in my life. God, I turn from that. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, maybe maybe you need the ultimate fix. And what I mean by that is that you've never fully surrendered your heart and your life to the precious power and blood of Jesus Christ. 
you would say, Pastor, I feel like I'm walking around, but I'm not awake. I feel like I'm going through the motions, but I'm not alive. And right now, today, I need the breath of Jesus to breathe his breath into my heart and my lungs so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to call you forward, but I want to pray with you right where you're at. This is the best step that you can take today. So just as a point of contact, when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand. Shoot it up. You can put it right back down, and we'll pray together. Pastor, I need Jesus. One, two, three. Go ahead. I got you. Who else? So awesome. So awesome. Who else? So cool. Before we pray, maybe... Maybe um, you would even want to be, we'll baptize you right after service. We'll baptize you next week. I don't want to get ahead of myself. You don't need to be baptized to go to heaven, but maybe you would want to make that expression of faith. But right now, it's just your prayer. And again, your pastor can't fix your heart. All I'm doing is I'm offering Jesus to you. You're choosing the solution. And this is cool because you have the power. You chose wrong before, now you're choosing right. And you're choosing Jesus. You're saying yes to Jesus. So this isn't a magic prayer, but I want you to say this out loud and just mean it with all your heart. The whole room is gonna pray this with you. Those of you online, other locations, come on, let's all pray this out loud together. Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sin and I turn from it. I don't want it any longer. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. And so I receive that into my heart. Jesus, help me to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those who just said yes to Jesus? Before Pastor Kevin comes, everybody holding steady for 60 more seconds, I'm going to put out on our Facebook feed, my Instagram feed, my Facebook feed, some tools and some resources. We've got some tribes that can help you take this thing next level. You made the decision today, but how many of you know sometimes we need some help making the decision tomorrow? Okay, we've got some great ministries and partners that will help you in this. I got some resources and books that we'll make available to you and and are believing that this is the first day that you're going to walk. I declare over you, you are going to walk in a new freedom and that new freedom is going to open up new frontiers like you've never known in your life. Thank you so much for joining us here at CFA Church. It is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.